Turn with me, please, this evening to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews in the New Testament. And we're going to pray in just a moment, release our faith. Hebrews, the seventh chapter. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 7. It says, without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. And here men that die receive tithes, but there he receives them of whom it is witnessed that he lives. And as I may so say, Levi also who received tithes, paid tithes in Abraham. Now, um, if you weren't with us, we covered a lot of ground in the previous two Sundays on tithing. We dealt with the idea that tithing is just part of the law and not for us today, which is a completely untrue, unscriptural statement. It shows ignorance of the word. You know, after all, we're reading in Hebrews. Is Hebrews in the New Testament? And we went into a lot of detail about what tithing is. And uh, Melchizedek met Abraham from the great victory that they had over the enemy kings and their armies where he recovered Lot and his family and all the people and stuff from those cities. And it's just a miracle. A miracle. And as he came back, Melchizedek, who was the high priest of God, now we have no record. He's not of the seed of Aaron. And this is way before Moses got the law. This is pre-law. Everybody with me? We know Abraham learned how to walk by faith and was justified by faith, just like we are, long before there was any kind of a law to observe. He also learned how to tithe. Where did he get it from? It wasn't a rule. It wasn't a law. There was no statute. There was no ordinance. He got it from God. And why did he do it? He did it out of honor. I said he did it out of honor. He's honoring the God who just saved his life and gave them victory and brought them back with all the stuff. And in response to such graciousness and faithfulness from God, the Bible said he gave Melchizedek tithes of everything. Tithe means 10%. And the Bible said Melchizedek, who Hebrews goes into detail in these two chapters here, who is a, was a type of our high priest, Jesus. And it goes on to say that here men that die receive tithes, but there he receives them of whom it is witnessed that he lives. How many know Jesus lives? All the Aaronic priests are gone, long gone, but Jesus lives. Reckon he still receives tithes. Well, yeah, this is unchanged. This was before the law, during and after the law, just like faith is before, during and after. Same thing. If you weren't with us, let me encourage you. You need to go over the scriptures. Don't just assume things because a lot of people have questions and have misinformed and wrong ideas about this whole subject. 
But uh, we've covered enough ground, if you knew that, to get to this part. Where should the tithe go? Now that's a $10 million question. This is where people part ways in their thinking. Where should the tithe go? Where's the tithe supposed to go? Well, go with me to the book of um, Deuteronomy. And before we read this, I want us to pray and release our faith. We don't want my opinion or your opinion or any groups or churches or denominations stance or idea. What do we want? Come on, help me out. We want the truth. We want the word. We want what God wants. What pleases him. Let's endeavor to push everything else aside. And let him show us and help us. Let's pray right now to that effect and release our faith. Father, in the name of Jesus, we all agree together as touching this. And we ask you, help us to rise above man's tradition and religious ideas and any wrong thinking any preconceived notions and traditions and ideas that never were you and are in disagreement with your holy word. Help us to see not man's ideas and opinions, but your truth, your word. Help us to see what pleases you right now, right here in the new covenant. Help us to see how all of your truth applies to us and how to walk in it how to walk in the light. And we purpose right now, before we hear anything else, if we can see and know that it's you, by your grace, we'll do it. Say it out loud, Lord, any changes we need to make. Show us. Anything we've not known. Anything we've let slip. Anything we need to start or stop or change. We ask you for it, and we're willing to do it as you help us in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Now, where should the tithe go? I want to read two passages, and we'll get into this further. Leviticus 27, you don't have to turn to all these. They'll put them up on the screen for us. You might want to take notes, though in case you want to go over this again yourself, and in case you need to talk to somebody else about it too. Leviticus 27 and 30. It says, all the tithe of the land. Tell me what tithe means. 10%. 10%. All the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Now, I guess I need to say this. If you say, well, Brother Keith, that's Leviticus. That don't apply to us. How would you know? I just got through reading Hebrews. We're going to give you numerous other New Testament scriptures that link together with this. There's a big problem in the body about despising the Old Testament. It's ignorance. The Holy Spirit, speaking through the writers of the New Testament, refer to the old continually. Have you not noticed that? Continually. Why would they do that if it's not relevant anymore? If it doesn't apply to us anymore? 
No. Sacrifice for sin has been fulfilled. That has been fulfilled. But everything God has ever said is still true. And so we understand the old in light of the new, but the new makes constant reference to the old. So if you don't know the old, you're not even going to understand some things in the new. If all you know is the old, you won't be enlightened to what's happened. You'll be stuck there. So you need both. How many understand you need both? How many got both an Old and a New Testament in your Bible that you got right here, right now? How many are going to throw any of it away? Like I said, we're going to be showing you New Testament scriptures before we get through that tie right into what we're reading right now. All the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. 32 repeats the idea, says the tenth shall be holy to the Lord. In Malachi, the third chapter, and the sixth verse, Malachi 3, 6 says, I am the Lord, I change not. Does God change? He doesn't change. Our approach to him has changed from the Old Testament in that we don't cover our sins every year with animal blood. The blood of the Lamb has washed us once and for all. Hallelujah. And yet, God hasn't changed. Our access to Him changed. But He hasn't changed. Didn't need to. Never will. And in this, he says, I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Keep reading. Even from the days of your fathers, you're going away from my ordinances. Now, we just read one of the things that he gave them was that the tithe belonged to the Lord. And this is what he's talking about. He said, you've not kept them. Return to me and I'll return to you. Now, a lot of people try to translate that as come back to me and I'll come back to you. But no, it's return what is mine back to me and I will return to you. I guess both could be true. If you're coming back to God, then you're going to give back to God what is God's. But you have said, wherein shall we return? What will we return give back to you? Verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me, but you say, wherein have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Does God believe that the tithe is his? What do you think? Now, we've already covered this in our previous messages. We asked the question, is any of the money down here God's? And a whole lot of people would say, it's all his. And that's not true. If it's all his, why do you keep treating it like it's yours? And if it's all his, then you have nothing to give him ever. Anything you'd give him is already his. So you could never give him an offering. It's not true. It's a religious tradition notion. It sounds good to people, but it's not true. All of it is not his. We were reading in Psalm 115. Just a couple of verses later in Psalm 115, it says, The heaven, even the heavens, is the Lord's. 
but the earth has he given to the children of men. He gave men the earth. And all of it, he doesn't say is his. Oh, it's his by right of creation, and ultimately it's going to wind up under his control. But as it stands right now, if you say, well, all the money, everything down here is his, well, boy, a lot of it's being used for bad stuff. God's money. Does God have a portion that's his? What is it? It's the tenth. Now, in talking about where does the tithe go, years ago I asked the Lord this because I was studying for everything I was worth to see how, what, how I might understand this. Where is it supposed to go? Because I've seen people get heated. I've seen preachers almost come to, to blows over this, about where the tithe goes. And I, and I asked the Lord, well, Lord, who does the tithe belong to? And I mean, just like that. I don't mean I heard a voice, but it was strong inside me. He said, the tithe is mine. The tithe is mine. Everybody say that out loud. Who's, who's is the tithe? People say, well, the tithe belongs to the local church. So the local church is Jesus. Now granted, you know, you go to the church, you get fed, you get helped, your family gets ministered to, certainly. Some of your tithes should go there. Certainly. But to say all of it has to go there rigidly, legalistically, well, is that what the scripture teaches? Some people think so. In Malachi 3, verse 6, he said, I don't change. And he went on to talk about them returning to him. In verse uh, 8, he said, you've robbed me in tithes and offerings. Well, the only way they could have robbed him is if it was his. And you need to get this settled. Don't just try to take my word for it and see if you agree with me or not. If you're not sure, put your nose in this book, Old and New Testament, until you can get settled. Does the tithe belong to him? If it's his then you shouldn't just do what you want to do with it. It's not yours. Keep reading. He said, you're cursed with a curse because you've robbed me this whole nation. Verse 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Now, this begins to tell you where the tithe goes. And some people have said, well, that means storehouse is the local church. Well, where's your other scripture to prove that? We're going to talk about some other scripture here in just a moment. But if you'll bring the tithes in, to what purpose, to what end? That there may be meat or food or provision in my house. What is the Lord's house? The tithe supports the Lord's house. If you bring all the tithes in so that my house may be fully supplied. And if you do that, is there any benefit to you, the tither? He said, prove me now herewith. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. Oh, people have thought so wrongly about tithing. Do we have to tithe? No. You don't have to pray either. You don't have to come to church. You don't have to do anything. 
I don't like being under some kind of law. This is not about a law. This is tithing like Abraham did. He had no law. He had no rule. It's about honoring God. Somebody say it out loud. Honor Honor. and blessing. blessing. Come on, say it again. Honor Honor. and blessing. blessing. It's about honoring God and giving Him access to bless you. Do you know what a window is? What's a window? A window is an opening that allows access. Tithing gives God access into our affairs. To do what? Bless us until there's not enough room to receive it. And what else? And, don't you like this? I like this and. And I, I who? God. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And he won't destroy the fruits of your ground, nor shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Blessing and protection. Somebody say blessing and protection. Didn't the Lord say, them that honor me, I will honor. If you honor the Lord, Proverbs talks about this in Proverbs 3, honor the Lord with your substance. And with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty. And your presses will burst out with new wine. When other people are losing their stuff. And you get to pay yours off and keep it. Is that God not honoring you? When your needs are met. And other people had to close their place. And you opened up a new branch. That's God. How many want God to honor them? Well every believer. But it's not just automatic. Or because you asked him to. You got to give him something to bless. You have to honor him. And in response to you honoring him, he has a right. He has a window. He has an opening. He has entrance in and access to you to bless you and pour out blessing until you run out of room. And when the devourer is trying to steal your stuff and mess up your stuff, God himself says, no, you don't. No, you don't. Come on, you got to like that. you got to like that God said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. you got to like that. Who doesn't like that? Of course, if you don't believe in tithing, none of this applies. Sorry. Go with me to the New Testament now, to the book of Acts, the seventh chapter. Acts 7 and 44. The Lord said, bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food, meat, provision in my house. Who does the tithe belong to? Him. The tithe belongs to the Lord. What's the purpose of the tithe? That there may be provision in his house. In his house. How many would agree with that so far? Here we begin to see some things about the house. Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness as he had appointed, speaking to Moses that he should make it according to the fashion he had seen. Which also our fathers that came after brought in with Jesus, that's actually, we'd say Joshua, into the possession of the Gentiles, 
whom God drove out before the face of our fathers till the days of David, who found favor before God and desired to find a tabernacle for the God of Jacob. He's referred to two things now, the um, tabernacle and, and, and uh, eventually he's, there will be the temple. When the tabernacle was constructed and especially then when the temple was built, that was the house of God. It was the only house of God. And when he's talking about bringing the tithes into the storehouse, the storehouses were in that one structure. Verse 47. But Solomon built him a house. That's the temple. First there was the tabernacle. Then there's the temple. Howbeit, the Most High dwells not in temples made with hands, as says the prophet. You know, sometimes we talk about, you know, uh, it's so good to be in the, in the house of the Lord today. Well, if you're talking about the building, you're a little unscriptural. It's his in the sense that he gave it to us and we dedicated it to him and we use it for his purposes. But no building, no structure is the house God lives in. Why would he be in here? Because we're in here. He said, heaven is my throne. Earth is my footstool. Now that's a picture, isn't it? How about the planet? Can you picture God with his feet? On planet Earth. Earth is his footstool. He said, what kind of house are you going to build for me? <laughs> my throne's in heaven. Earth is like my footstool. What kind of house are you going to build me? Where, what's the place of my rest? Has not my hand made all these things? So uh, we see that the house of God used to be one building. But is that the case today? So when we say bring all the tithes into the storehouse, he was talking about one building. The temple. Well, we know that's changed. There's not one building that everybody has to go there to church and worship God. And the Lord's revealed to us now in the New Testament, I don't live in buildings made with men's hands. Have we not understood from 1 Corinthians 3 and 6 and other places, we are the temple of the living God. He indwells us. Is that right? Look on down. Well, you don't have to turn there. But Hebrews 3.6 says, Christ is a son over his own house, whose house are we? 1 Peter 2.5 says, we are as lively stones built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Do you believe we've been made kings and priests yes. unto our God? Do you believe we are his spiritual house that he dwells in? Well, then do you also believe that as a priest, you and I are supposed to be offering up sacrifices? Is that true too? Yes, it is. In 1 Timothy 3.15, he said, If I tarry long that you may know how you ought to behave yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. 
He should bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. Well, one building is not his house today. How many would agree with that? We need to see New, New Testament truth and light and we need to see Old Testament precedent that the new referred to. The new is continually referring to Old Testament precedent because what God gave in the tabernacle, in the temple, in the priesthood, in the sacrifices and offerings is a pattern right out of heaven. In heaven, there is a holy of holies, a real one. There are the angels over it. There is a mercy seat. Just like what he gave the pattern to Moses and then the pattern to David to build the temple. The real thing is in heaven. We'll get to see it soon. So many think it'd be foolish to read some of the, the descriptions of it in the Old Testament and scoff at it. What are you making fun of? It's describing the real thing in heaven. And God doesn't change. Did you remember that part? He doesn't change. Doesn't need to. Now, with that in mind, go with me to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy and the 14th chapter. Deuteronomy 14, verse 22. I'm going to read from the NIV. And I think you can tell that I'm just hitting the high points. If you really are interested in this, take the time, go back later, and read these whole chapters. And uh, let the Lord speak to you through Deuteronomy 14.22 says, Be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. And you'll eat it before the Lord your God in the place which he shall choose to place his name, the tithe of the corn, the wine, the oil, firstlings of your herds, of your flocks, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. Skip down to verse 27. And the Levite that is within your gates, well, I'm, I guess I'll skip to the King James there. You shall not forsake him, for he has no part nor inheritance with thee. At the end of three years, you'll bring forth all the tithe of your increase the same year and lay it up within your gates. Where do you lay it up? Where? Within your gates. Is that right? That's what it says. And the Levite, because he has no part nor inheritance with you, and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow, which are within your gates, shall come and eat and be satisfied. They're going to eat of what? The tithe. That the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hand, which you do. Skip down to Deuteronomy 26. Now, there are many more scriptures than the ones I'm sharing with you, but these are some, to me, some of the most clear. Deuteronomy 26 and 12. Again, I'm reading the NIV. When you have finished setting aside a tenth of all your produce in the third year, the year of the tithe, you shall give it to the Levite, the alien, the fatherless, and the widow. He mentions the same thing. He mentions four categories that the tithe goes to. Are we answering the question, where does the tithe go? The Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, that they may eat within your gates and be filled. 
Then verse 13, say to the Lord your God, I have removed from my house the sacred portion. I've given it to the Levite, the alien, the fatherless, and the widow. This is the third time we read this. According to all you've commanded, I've not turned aside from your commands, nor have have forgotten any of them. I've not eaten of the sacred portion while I was in mourning, nor have I removed any of it while I was unclean, nor offered any of it to the dead. How many know you're not supposed to dip into the tithes if times get hard? If you get pressed, you don't dip into the tithes. Then he says, look down from heaven, your holy dwelling place, and bless your people Israel. And the land you've given us, as you've promised, a land flows with milk and honey. Is tithing always connected with blessing? Always. So uh, the Old Testament precedent, precedent just means that which preceded. Revealed that the tithe went to the Levites and it went to the stranger or alien and it went to the fatherless and the widow. Now, strangers, fatherless and widow are similar. Stranger meant somebody who's displaced. They're not in their own country. They're not with their own family. They need help. They don't maybe they don't have a job. They don't have a place to live. And a similar idea with fatherless and widows, people, God's people who are in need and are in lack. Can tithes go to this? Well, if you, if you say no, what scripture are you basing what you're saying on? See, you only got two sources for belief, what men think and what God said. So anything you think you believe or know about this, question yourself, examine yourself. What scripture do I have for that? Where is it at? I don't care if you've always done it that way or grandma did or your denomination or group. What scripture did they have? How many think we ought to examine these things? Certainly we should. So we see two two basic groups that the tithe was to go to those in need, genuine need, and the Levites. Levites are the ministry. The ministry consisted of priests and Levites. And the Levites were the ones that that did all the, what we'd call the ministry of helps, all the natural work. They set up the tabernacle and they broke it down and they carried it and they manned the fires and they cleaned up after the sacrifices. How many know it takes a lot of natural work for the church to operate? And this would be like our staff of people doing the natural work of the ministry today. And then the priests were the ones who uh, represented God to the people and the people to God and actually performed the sacrifices, and the high priest, you know, went into the Holy of Holies with the blood and and made atonement. And the priest would be comparable to our five-fold ministry gifts today, speaking gifts, we might call them. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, priests, and Levites. Go with me, please, to Deuteronomy 18 now. Deuteronomy 18 and 1. 
You might say, well, what's all this Old Testament scripture got to do with us? It has everything to do with us. I'm going to show you from the New Testament before we get through why we're talking about this. In Deuteronomy 18.1, it says the priests, the Levites, and all the tribe of Levi shall have no part nor inheritance with Israel. They shall eat the offerings of the Lord made by fire and his inheritance. Therefore, they shall they have no inheritance among their brethren. The Lord is their inheritance, as he said to them. And this shall be the priest due from the people, from them that offer a sacrifice, whether it be ox or sheep. They shall give to the priest the shoulder and the two cheeks, the maw, the first fruit of the corn, wine, oil, first of the fleece of your sheep you'll give him. For the Lord your God has chosen him out of all your tribes to stand a minister in the name of the Lord, him and his sons forever. The priests and the Levites were not given any land to inherit. Have you read the, um, you know, the book of Joshua and how even though the first generation didn't come in and take the land under Joshua's leadership, they did. And have you read how as they got victories, they divided portions to this tribe and portions to this tribe. You remember that? And portions to this tribe. Well, the Levites, the priests and Levites did not get an allotment of land. Well, that means you can't have crops and you can't have herds. Basically, you you don't have business like the other people do. Well, how are you going to live? How are you going to make it? The Lord ordained, and this is a quote now from the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 9. We're going to get there in a little bit. The Lord has ordained that they that preach the gospel should live of the gospel. They were to be sustained by the tithes and the offerings of the people. Is that right? Did we just get through reading this? And actually, there's a bunch of offerings. Have you ever read all this? Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all these places. There was, of course, the offerings for sin. And some of those were whole burnt offerings. And we know that doesn't apply to us anymore. Jesus is our final sacrifice for sin. But there were also thank offerings, peace offerings. Could you give an offering because you're thankful today? Certainly you could. And there were tithes and there were first fruits. They had an offering every year called the half shekel offering. And that just went to the upkeep of the temple. That wasn't connected to anything else. They had a bunch of offerings. And of a lot of the people's offerings, the priest and the Levite got a portion of it. And if you look at all the offerings they got, plus the tithes, plus the first fruits, they had to be well off. There's a lot of stuff coming into them. They had to be. Don't take my word for it. Now you'll have to study a little bit. But go back and look at all the offerings they got. They had a bunch of stuff coming into them all the time. Their mainstay was the tithe. Now in Deuteronomy 12 and 19 in the Amplified, he says, Take heed not to forsake nor neglect the Levite, God's minister, as long as you live in your land. He said, Don't neglect them. Why? They don't have land. They don't have crops. 
They don't have hurts. If you don't tithe, if you don't give, their needs are not going to be met. They're part of the operation of the house of the Lord. Come on, can you see this? They weren't supposed to be having crops and herds. They were supposed to be giving themselves full time to the ministry the Lord had for them. And this, the tithes and offerings enabled them to do that. How many believe God could prosper us no matter what's happening in the economy or what's going on in the country? Do you believe it? No matter what's going on, you and I could have the greatest year we have ever had. Do you believe it? You and I. He goes, well, I just lost everything. Perfect time for you to get something new. Is that right? And blast into an area you've never been before. But you know what you're going to need to be able to do that in this harsh, cruel world? You're going to need the blessing. I said you're going to need God's blessing. And how many believe with his blessing, you can make it through anything? Do you believe it? With, with, with his blessing, you can accomplish anything. He said in verse 21, I give to the Levites all the tithes in Israel as their inheritance in return for the work they do while serving at the tent of meeting. So the tithe is the Lord's, but you can't send it to heaven. So in the temple worship, in the tabernacle worship, what men were getting the tithe? The priests, the Levites were getting Keep reading. From now on, the Israelites must not go near the tent of meeting or they'll bear the consequences of their sin and die. Skip on down to verse 26. Speak to the Levites and say to them, when you receive from the Israelites the tithe I give you as your inheritance, you must present a tenth of that tithe as the Lord's offering. Should preachers tithe too? Oh, yeah. And churches. And ministries. Who shouldn't tithe? Everybody should tithe. Well, who wants to be blessed? Who wants to be protected and kept? He said, speak to the Levites and say to them, when you receive from the Israelites the tithe I give you as your inheritance, you must present a tenth of that tithe as the Lord's offering. Your offering will be reckoned to you as grain from the threshing floor or juice from the wine press. They don't have farms. They don't have herds. They don't have flocks. They don't have businesses. But they can tithe off the tithes. Can you see that? Who did that go to? Verse 28. In this way you'll also present an offering to the Lord from all the tithes you receive. From these tithes you must give the Lord's portion to Aaron the priest. This would be comparable to our preachers of our day. The Levites, the helps ministry, and Aaron and his sons are the priests. So the tithe of the tithe went to the priests. The Levites were paid out of the tithes. The tithe of the tithe went to the priests. Can you see this or not? You must present as the Lord's portion the best and holiest part of everything given to you. Say to the Levites, when you present the best part, it will be reckoned to you as the product of the threshing floor 
or of the winepress. We just got through reading in the New Testament in Hebrews 7, 9. He said, Levi, who received tithes, paid tithes in Abraham. And we read there that the less is blessed of the greater, showing that Melchizedek was greater in a sense than Abraham, because when Abraham tithed, Melchizedek blessed. Honor and blessing. Let me give you some more scripture. In the mouth of two or three witnesses. Or three or four or five. Let every word be established. You in agreement with this? In Nehemiah 10. Nehemiah 10.35. Or as one little kid from Bible class asked me one time. Did I know who the shortest man in the Bible was? I said no. He said Nehemiah. I said go on. He said, now now what you will see in Nehemiah is the people have gotten away from God. And they quit tithing and they quit giving, which always happens when God's people backslide. When people get cold, the first thing that stops is the giving. And when people are revived and they get close to God, that's the first thing that starts happening again is the giving. Now, this is not an Old Testament principle. How many remember the book of Acts when they all got filled with the Holy Ghost? What happened immediately? If you read the very next chapter, what the Bible said, none of them lacked because everybody is giving. They're selling houses and buildings and lands. Is that right? And they're sowing to the point that everybody, can you imagine a church of thousands and thousands of people and not one of them had any unmet needs? Is that possible again today? Well, that's what happens when people get full of the Spirit and get full of love and get full of faith. But the colder you are, the stingier you are. And the less you want to give. And the more you want to argue about do you have to. That shows coldness and unspirituality. He said, bring the first fruits of the ground, first fruits of year by year to the house of the Lord. And skip down to verse 37 for time's sake. He said, you bring the first fruits of the dough and offerings and, and, and fruit of all the trees and wine oil to the priest, to the chambers of the house of our God, and the tithes of our ground to the Levites, that the same Levites might have the tithes in all the cities of our village. And the priest, the son of Aaron, shall be with the Levites when the Levites take tithes, and the Levites shall bring up the tithe of the tithes unto the house of our God, to the chambers, to the treasure house. For the children of Israel and the children of Levi will bring, shall bring the offering of the corn, new wine, oil of the chambers, where are the vessels of the sanctuary, and the priests that minister, and the porters, and the singers, and we will not forsake the house of our God. Tithing is supporting the house of God, that there may be meat and food in my house. Skip down to chapter 12. Nehemiah 12, 44. At that time, there were some appointed over the chambers for the treasures, for the offerings of first fruits and tithes, to gather them out of the fields of the cities and portions of the law for the priests and Levites. For Judah rejoiced for the priests and for the Levites that waited. They valued the priests and Levites, And some of them were singers, some of them 
carried the um, articles of the temple. Some of them got the wood and kept the fires going. Some of them cleaned the place. And of course the priests were handling the law and they were officiating over the sacrifices. And the tithes among other offerings and tithes of tithes were going to these people. And both the singers and porters kept the word of their God. For the days of David and Asaph, there were chief of singers, songs of praise, and thanksgiving to God. And all Israel in the days of Zerubbabel and in the days of Nehemiah gave the portions of the singers and the porters every day as portion. And they sanctified holy things to the Levites. And the Levites sanctified them to the children of Aaron. That means set apart. Do you think there's a lot of churches today? That are understaffed. Staff that's there is underpaid. Sometimes working multiple jobs. To to make ends meet. Is that right? It's not right. Why is it that way? Because the people are not tithing. And not giving. And there's not food and provision. In God's house. And there's lack and there's shortage. And people can try to say. Well I just believe. Uh uh. This is a new covenant. I'm just led by the Spirit. Hey, I think being led by the Spirit is the best thing to talk about. But I don't believe that the Holy Spirit is going to lead you to do less under this new and better covenant than they did under the old covenant. No. If you're consistently putting less than 10% of your income into the kingdom of God, you are not being led. I don't care what you say. No, you're not. And it's not a matter of can afford to. It's a matter of faith. You have to make a commitment. And it's not about doing it to the church. It's about doing it to the Lord. It's his tithe. You put it where he says. Skip down to chapter 13. This individual came in and they prepared a chamber for him. Where the Levites and singers offerings were supposed to be they kicked them out and verse 10 I perceive this is Nehemiah I perceive that the portions of the Levites had not been given to them now we've talked about this earlier does God have a portion that's his do the ministers have a portion that's theirs do they well they do for the Levites and the singers that did the work were fled everyone to his field Why'd they do that? They left and got jobs out in the fields. Why? Because nobody's tithing. Nobody's giving. They can't just work in the temple all day. Their family's needs are not met. They don't have food to eat. Verse 11. Then Nehemiah straightened them out. He contended with the rulers. And I said, why is the house of God forsaken? And I gathered them together and set them in their place. We'd say today, set them straight. How many think Nehemiah set them straight? He's the governor. He has a lot of power and control there. Verse 12, then what happened? Then brought all Judah the tithe of the corn and the new wine and the oil into the treasuries. And how many believe after that there was plenty? What if everybody tithed? There's a scripture patches that shows what happens when everybody ties. It's called heaps of heaps. 
We've read about it and talked about it in here. Heaps of heaps. Oh, thank you, Lord. Go to the New Testament. You ready for some New Testament? 1 Corinthians 9. You might say, man, I didn't know we were going to do this tonight. Yeah, but the Lord knew. He knew I was going to be here. He knew you was going to be here. He knew this is what's going to happen. So even though you might not think this is what you needed or wanted to hear, this is more what you needed and wanted to hear than you thought you wanted to hear. Because he's right. How many people do you think are not blessed like they should be in the church? The enemy is devouring their stuff and it shouldn't be happening. They're having problem after problem after problem. Loss after loss after loss. Get, get ahead one step, get knocked back two. How, how much is that happening in the church all, all over? Could it be connected to some of this? 1 Corinthians 9 verse 1, I'm reading in the complete Jewish Bible. It's 1 Corinthians 9 in the New Testament. Who's talking here? The Holy Spirit through Paul. Does this apply to us? Are we part of the same New Testament church? I want us to be clear on this. Paul says, am I not a free man? Am I not an emissary? Uh, That's the word for apostle. I like apostle better. Of the Messiah. Haven't I seen Yeshua our Lord? How many of Paul saw him? More than once. Aren't you yourselves the result of my work in the Lord? This church of Corinth, it didn't exist until the Lord sent Paul there. Keep going. Even if to others I'm not an apostle, at least I am to you. You're living proof that I'm the Lord's apostle. The Lord sent him to Corinth, and now they got a church. Is that important? Is that significant? Could the the Lord have used somebody else? But uh, he told them on one occasion, he said, you got many teachers and instructors, but you only got one father in the faith. Should we respect our elders and our fathers in the faith? Keep going. This is my defense when people put me under examination. Don't we have the right to be given food and drink? Don't we have the right to take along with us a believing wife, as do the other emissaries or apostles, the Lord's brother? And and, and that's uh, Peter. He's talking about being supported, including his family. Being supported financially and materially. Isn't that what he's talking about? Read this whole 8th chapter and ninth chapter through here. Some of the richest in the New Testament on this subject. Are I and Barnabas, are we the only ones that have to work? Talking about side jobs, natural jobs for our living? Did you ever hear of a soldier paying for his own expenses? They give him an assignment. Go over here, do this mission. And he says, well, as soon as I get money for gas for the Humvee, as soon as we can get some money together and buy some bullets... No, no, the expenses are paid. Or of a farmer planting a vineyard without eating its grapes. Who shepherds a flock without drinking some of the milk? Keep going. What I'm saying is not based merely on human authority because the Torah, the law, says the same thing. Is this New Testament? Is he quoting the law? Why would he quote the law? Because the precedent applies to us. The truth applies to us. If it didn't, he shouldn't even refer to it. Do we have a lot of people today trying to tell us everything in the Old Testament is not applicable to us? 
It's all old. It's all passed away. None of it's. Is that true or not? Why would you refer to it in the New Testament? What I'm saying is not. Back, back up. Verse 8. Is not based merely on human authority because the Torah says the same thing. We've already talked about this. You got two sources of what you believe. Human authority. What people have come up with. And they have no scriptures for it. And what God has said. Keep going. For in the law of Moses, it's written, you're not to put a muzzle on an ox when it's treading out the grain. Is that Old Testament? Why is he quoting it? Why is he talking about it? He said, is God concerned about cattle? Keep going. Or all the more does he say this for our sakes. He just got through talking about him and Barnabas and other preachers having a right to be sustained and supplied. It's written for us. Meaning that he who plows and he who threshes should work expecting to get a share of the crop. If we've sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? Is that a principle? That whoever sows to you spiritually, you should sow to them materially. Is that a principle in the word of God? It is. Keep going. If others are sharing in this right to be supported by you, don't we have a greater claim to it? He's the one that started the church there. We don't make use of this right. We put up with all kinds of things so as not to impede in any way the good news about Messiah. And I feel exactly that same way personally. Don't you know that those who work in the temple get their food from the temple? Isn't that what we were just reading about? So it's what we were reading about in Deuteronomy and Leviticus and uh, Nehemiah. Does that have any bearing on us? When the New Testament quotes it and refers to it and says it applies to us, then it does. Those that work in the temple get their food from the temple. Those who serve at the altar get a share of the sacrifices offered there. Keep going. In the same way, the Lord has directed that those who proclaim the good news should get their living from the good news. This is the principle of God. Can you say amen? Amen. Let me give you some other scriptures in the New Testament. I want to be thorough. 1 Timothy 5, 17. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they that labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle the ox that treads out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. He keeps referring to that. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 and 13. Know them that labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Romans 15, 27. If the Gentiles have been partakers of spiritual things, their duty is to minister to them in carnal things. Do we have a duty? Galatians 6, 6 in the Amplified. Galatians 6, 6 in the Amplified. Let him that receives instruction in the word of God share all good things with his teacher contributing to his support. The Living Bible says those who are taught the word of God should help their teachers by paying them. The Living Bible. 
Jesus said in Matthew 10 and also Luke 10, he quoted that the laborer is worthy of his hire. Do you think we've established it in Scripture? That this principle is true and right, and it's true and right for now in the New Testament. You may have heard me talk about years ago, I was up north in a meeting, not thinking about this guy and his church. That was the furthest thing from my mind. And while I'm praying about the service, the Lord brought me this pastor to my mind and said to me, I don't mean a voice, but inside me, that he was displeased with this pastor's car. It was inadequate. And he wasn't satisfied with it. And I thought, wow. Had no idea what kind of car he had or didn't have. And he dealt with me, when you get home, you, you get in that little airplane that I just gave you. We had a little single-engine airplane. First one we ever had. Little bitty one. And you fly over there. Don't announce yourself. Just fly over there. And I don't mean to hear the voice, but this is coming to my mind. And when you get there, he's going to find out you're there. He's going to contact you. He's going to ask you to speak, and you do. And when you do, this is what you preach on. God gave gifts to men. What do you reckon happened? I went over there. In about six hours, the phone rang where I was. And the pastor said, hey, I didn't know you were in, the, you were in town. I said, yeah, hey, good talking to you. He said, you're going to be here over Sunday? I said, yeah. He said, come speak for me. I said, you want me to? <laughs> got, got to play cool, you know. <laughs> and he said, yeah, yeah, please. I said, okay, sure. We'll be there. And this is what the Lord showed me. I had a watch, a nice watch that an elder of mine in the gospel had given me, expensive. Didn't cost me a dime. Cost him plenty. He gave it to me. And I had a Timex that was made out of rubber. (laughs) I swam in it. And the Lord brought that to my mind. He said, when you come in and you got that dress watch on, you pull it off, you wipe the perspiration off of it, and you got a box that you take and you put it in and you put it in the box and you close the box and you set that box in the place where it won't get knocked off and hurt. When you come in from swimming and you got that rubber Timex on, you pull it off, you throw it in the corner. It bounces off the thing, hits the floor. You don't care. You may let it lay there for half the day. Why do we treat one so differently from the other? One, I value highly the other I don't value highly. Didn't he say esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake? That's talking about evaluation. And the Lord showed me that concerning that man. I didn't know what kind of car he had, but I found out he had a junker. It was, should have been parted out a long time ago. And, and the Lord dealt with me. He said, the people at that church don't value the pastors I've given them. And what they don't realize is those are my gifts. I can send them somewhere else tomorrow. And if they don't value them, some things are going to change. And you tell them. You preach on this Ephesians there. You preach on God gave gifts to men. You talk about this some. And then you bring up what I told you. And then you have your offering ready. And you tell them that if they don't buy him a new car, you are. I thought, whoa. I am. I am. And it's not like we had a whole lot of money back then. 
I said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Maybe I said that harder than I came across. I, I didn't come across hard with them. And yet it was serious. You could tell that. So I did. I preached on it. And I got to the part and I told them what the Lord told me. That he wasn't happy with their car and their situation. How many understand this is about a lot more than a car? The car is a symptom of the problem. And I told them that the Lord wanted them to have a new vehicle and that if they wanted to get involved, it'd be good. If they don't, that we would take care of it. Oh, man. Spirit of God moved in that place. People jumped up. They hollered. They gave. And just in a few days, they ordered him a top-notch vehicle with a bunch of extra stuff on it. And they paid for it. And in a year or two after that, they got him a house. And not long after, well, excuse me, that same day, the same day I was there and preached, at the end of the service, when the people responded like they did, the word of the Lord came to me, and I prophesied to them, and I said, and the next time I'm here, there'll be a lot of new cars in the parking lot. And it was. A year or so later, I was there, and there were numerous new cars in the parking lot. Is there a connection between the ministry and the people? Is our prosperity connected together? Are we connected? It is. But it involves the tithe and the honor and the blessing. Can you say amen? Amen. Go with me to Ezekiel and I'll keep talking about this. Go with me to Ezekiel 44. I'll continue on this. One of the things we got to understand is that the blessing is not just well-wishing. In Western culture, the blessing has been reduced to well-wishing, wishing you well. What, what a lot of folks know about blessing is when somebody sneezes. Bless you. The reason I use that is because they think the same thing about any other application of blessing. What do they believe is happening when they say, God bless you? What do they believe is happening? Absolutely nothing. Wishing you well, which is insulting to what's in the word about this. Say this out loud with me. The blessing of increase. Is, is the multiplication, the multiplication of, the seed. of the seed. It'd do us good to say that another hundred times. Say it out loud. The blessing of increase, the of increase is, is the multiplication, the multiplication of, the seed. of the seed. When you bring your offering, what do you want? What do you want to happen? You want a miracle. You want one to turn into 20 or 50 or 100. You want a miracle. We live with it all the time. But when you plant a seed and one turns into 50, that's a miracle. Somebody say miracle. Is it a miracle or not? There used to be two human beings on this planet. Two. 
Two. Two. Now there's seven billion. Billion. You know why? Because God said, be fruitful and multiply. Come on, somebody say, be fruitful and multiply. Is he just wishing us well? No. Sure hope y'all do good. <laughs> yeah, y'all get after it. Don't quit now. Just hope it turns out good for you. See, that's what it's been reduced to among Christians. But in the Old Testament, and even into the New, the early days of the church, people valued the blessing. They hungered for it. They wanted the man of God to bless them. They wanted the prophet to bless them. Remember they brought little children to Jesus, didn't they? What did they want him to do? And one of the clearest examples of the power of the blessing is the multiplication of the loaves and fishes. Isn't it? When the Bible said the Lord held it up and he gave thanks for it and he blessed it the next thing we know five loaves and two fishes has turned in to everybody fed and baskets left over is that a miracle what caused that miracle the power of the blessing somebody say the power of the blessing now when you talk about it either people don't believe in it at all Our people do get excited and they want to come run and say, well, then bless me, bless me, bless me. Here's what you need to know. A million times zero is zero. Bless what? Multiply what? A vague desire? A broad, vague religious notion? No. They brought their tithes. They brought their offerings. Come on, are you listening to something tangible? This is their life. This is their time. This is their labor. This is their effort. You don't bless nothing. You bless something. In order for it to be multiplied, it's got to be something. Be fruitful and multiply. Come on, say that out loud. Be fruitful fruitful and multiply. multiply. Say it again. Be fruitful fruitful and multiply. multiply. The word fruitful literally means to bear fruit. It means to produce. So we're talking about now the enablement and anointing of God on your life for you to not be barren and produce nothing, but for you to produce something. How many like to produce something every day on the job? Produce something in your family. Produce something. Not nothing, something. What do you need to produce something? You need the blessing. But then also be fruitful and... You know what multiply means? It means to increase. It means to become numerous. It means to become great. Have you ever read it? Be fruitful. 
and multiply. He said it in Genesis. He said it over the creation of the world that he created. He said it to Abraham. He said it to Noah. He said it to David. He said it over and over and over. Why? Because it is the power of the blessing that causes to be fruitful and multiply the seed sown. I'm thinking about closing. But I need to get this right. Can, can you bear with me? Just, please don't let this be unimportant to you. You say, well, I'm a visitor. I'm not here. Yeah, but do you have a church? Do you have ministers? Do you have a high priest that's in the heavens? Does he receive your tithe? Is this important to you? I know a lot of people, I don't care if you showed them a thousand scriptures. They're still not going to do it. Because they don't care what the truth is. They don't make their decisions in life based on truth and word. They're based on their opinion and what they think. And keeping their money in their pocket. And so I can't help that. But I believe the Bible. How about you? I believe this word. Ezekiel, are you there? 44, 28. It shall be to them for an inheritance. I am their inheritance. And you shall give them no possession in Israel, for I am their possession. He's talking about the Levites and the priests. They shall eat the meat offering, sin offering, trespass offering. Every dedicated thing in Israel shall be theirs. I'm telling you, they got a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. And the first of all, the first fruits of all things, and every oblation of all, and every sort of your oblations, shall be the priests. You shall also give to the priests the first of your dough. That sounds interesting, don't it? <laughs> that he may cause what? Why? You'll give the priest the first of your dough. Why? That he may cause the blessing to rest in your house. Now some people believe that no man or woman down here on the earth has any power to bless. That only God can bless. But the truth is, he blesses through people too. And he does it by the anointing. By the call. You remember Hebrews talks about this, that by faith it said, Hebrews eleven twenty, by faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. Who blessed them? Isaac blessed them. Verse 21, by faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshiped. Who blessed them? The Bible talks about David blessing his house. There are numerous places where you see people Blessing other people. And yet. The Bible said the less is blessed of the greater. Well that doesn't mean somebody's a better person than you. Or that God loves them more. Or they're more important to God. It's talking about greater call. Greater anointing. We should always defer to the higher anointing. And you shouldn't just be open for anybody that wants to run up and say, I'm going to bless you. Who are they? What are they to you? How do they have any greater place of anointing to bless you? The same anointing 
that qualifies for leadership, if somebody really is qualified to shepherd or to lead or to oversee, that same anointing would enable them to bless you. Not human effort or power, but by the anointing. Do you believe this thing? But what I'm saying to you, whether this is your church, whether it's not your church, this is not about tithing to the church. Tithe to the Lord. Take 10% off of all your increase and put an offering in there, even if it's 1%, and separate it from yours. We have God accounts that are separate in the church and Phyllis and I personally. And put that in there. And if you'll do that every time you make money and get money, it'll accumulate. Whose money is that? It's not yours. You can't pay bills with it. You can't buy you something with it. You can't buy stuff for your kids. Come on, are you listening to me? It's not your money. It's God's money. We see precedent in the scripture that the tithe could go so that there'll be meat and provision in my house and for the ministry and for those in need. Come on, can you see that too? And we are in faith going to stand up when you offer your tithes and your offerings. Come on, are you listening to me? And by the anointing that's on us, we're going to speak blessing over your life. Stand on your feet, everybody. Let's close our eyes and just lift up our hands. Let's pray this prayer and submit ourselves before the Lord. Sit out loud if, if you agree with it in your heart. Father God, forgive us for not showing respect and honor to whom honor is due. Our heart is to honor you and those that represent you. Those genuinely sent and anointed by you. We purpose to put you first and we desire the blessing. We will honor your blessing. And we will seek your blessing. And we will receive your blessing. We thank you for it. In advance. In Jesus' holy name. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.